friends welcome back to the film alchemist podcast the show where we look at movies we love break them apart to find out what imbues them with magic i am your host josh griffey joined as always by my friend and terrible father who owns a shovel and co-host uh alex dandino that's my <laughs> that's my judd from the last movie there you go. <laughs> I can't do it doesn't always John. come back at Dandino. No. I, I can't do a good John Lithgow. Yeah, that's a hard one. I you as you know, accent game was so strong coming off of Baba Duke. This is gonna be hard for me. <laughs> Alright, guys, this month we're naming it The Pod Reads the Books. The books being the baby books. Alex uh has his first son, Kurgan Dandino, coming to us uh due at the end of May. Yep. So Alex has very little time to fill his head with as much parenting information as possible. So we're going to watch uh, movies this month that help him, uh, guide him away from the wrong decisions, I guess is what this movie does. This movie's exclusively full of bad parenting moves. A lot of bad parenting decisions. Not one good parenting move in this entire movie, it feels like. Nope. Um. So yeah. We did the Babadook, guys. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, now I got to do the uh, obligatory business. If you like this show, guys, and you find us on a podcast app where you can leave a rating and review, please take a second and do that. It does mean the world to us. It helps us find new listeners. And we want to keep growing this awesome movie party with you. Also, thank you to all of you who uh, live tweeted with me at filmalchemist one on Twitter this Friday. Uh, and hopefully every Friday from here until the day I die, I'll be watching movies with Joe Bob on Shudder. Uh, it was Cue the Winged Serpent and Society, which is one of those movies I always tell other horror fans. I'm like, if nothing else, everyone should just see Society so we can throw the entire rating system out the window. <laughs> like, it just breaks everything. It's such a gnarly, unforgettable sleaze fest at the end of that movie. It's so much fun. Uh, yeah, I met a lot of nice mutants out there. Uh, horror fam was out. Loved it. Um, yeah. Also, guys, we do a podcast uh, that's more comic book based and pop culture based. Uh, this month, obviously, a lot of the big comic book movies are coming out. Uh, we just saw Shazam. That'll be coming out this Shazam. week as well. Our, our Shazam talk. We talked the Joker trailer. Um, we still have Hellboy, Avengers Endgame. We're going to do recaps for every Game of Thrones. So a lot of good content over there. If you like spending time with us, there will always be a way to find a little more. Uh, so that is the long box sessions. And also take time to leave us a rating and review. And follow all the socials for both shows. Um, so now that that's out of the way, Pet Cemetery. Alex, are you regretting knocking your wife up yet? If Babadook wasn't enough, is this movie finally enough? Uh, I'll tell you this. I actually don't regret it right now Watch after watching this movie because I know for a fact I'll be a better parent than either of those <laughs> You're like, there's a shocking amount of bad parents out there. I think I'm going to be – you're like, I sh I'll be looking at like, you know, at least bench warmer. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing about what they do, what these parents do in this movie where I'm like, man, there's no way I'll be able to undo that. Uh, there's no way I'll be able to outdo that kind of parenting. No, all the parenting in this movie is terrible parenting. Oh, you mean you don't think you're going to be the kind of dad that's like, you're 10 years old now, daughter. It's time to know that you're unmagical meat. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to face the hard reality that someday I'll be burying you, dear. <laughs> you're, ten, you're 10 years old. It's time to know everyone dies alone. Like, that's really kind of like <laughs> the lessons in this movie. <laughs> yeah. 
it's not only that you're not magically imbued meat, but someday you'll get to live a very unhappy existence like me and your mother. <laughs> you get to sit there and resent the person you say you love the most. It's great. It's just oh, wonderful. Oh, man. All uh, right. So yeah. you've seen the original. Yes. All right. I've read the book. Actually, this is I was telling you. This was the book because when my son Logan was born, right, my second kid, I just uh, it was kind of one of those we had to rush, right? It was early in the morning, like four a three a.m. something like that. So on the way out, I was like, "Oh my god, there's a lot of boredom at the hospital, right?" Well, I'm sitting there not being useful as dads often are. Right. I was like, "I need a book to read." I grabbed the newest book I had bought it, the Iliad, and it just so happened to be Pet Cemetery, which might be the all time worst book to read. As you're waiting for your son yeah, to enter the world. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> what a miscalculation on your part. Holy yeah, shit. I, the only argument I have is that it wasn't calculated. It was literally just grabbing in the dark. But I don't know why my brain's like, you should even have Pet cemetery in your house when you have kids. <laughs> um, yeah. Alex, as a soon-to-be father, as a cat owner. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. What were your takeaways from this version? If you want to kind of hit on this version versus your thoughts of the original, take me through some of your uh, your intro thoughts on Pet Cemetery. Well, I thought that I, I sat up in the middle. Look, I, I thought the, I think the original Pet Cemetery is a wonderful time capsule of a time when people made Stephen King adaptations where they're like, you know, this book was scary enough. Let's just make this kind of shitty and entertaining for everybody. And that's like where Can we it's just capture that no budget TV vibe. Yeah. <laughs> like that's really kind of like where it is. And that's what they do a lot of the time, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, it has this like sort of, it, it has this great time capsule vibe of like really entertaining, um, really entertaining, like level of like, Oh man, remember when things were that bad? Oh, remember when that was like considered, oh, that's quality right there. Oh, wow. Look at that. Like the best part about those was like Tim Curry getting to be Pennywise was the coolest thing. Like other yeah. than that, though, like it was. Well, just- he had that string of like really rough made for TV movies almost where it was, uh, you know, it uh, Pet Cemetery's kind of in this class. I mean, it's not the same, but, you know, it feels that way. The Stand. Yeah. Salem's Lot where you're like, these are not. Exactly. As good as you would imagine Stephen King could have right. gotten. So that Especially was like, in the eighties when we're already doing like Stuart Gordon movies and Clive Barker movies. <laughs> right, right. So that's like eighties, early nineties, you know? Um Like I'm with everyone else, right? I'll always remember the cabbage patch getting getting hit by the truck and being like, Holy fuck, they showed it. Yeah. Right? Like that's right. the best takeaway from the original movie. <laughs> like and then you get up through it's interesting because like the succession of Stephen King movies is like eighties, like you, like, you get, like, The Shining, which is not the book at all. And then you get up a little further in, like, 80s, 90s, and they do have this, like, like Christine and this, like, sort of outer limits quality to the filmmaking. And then you get into the late 90s where they're just doing TV movies. Like, they redid the, the Shining, like, an action. He did that adaptation to The Shining. And then you also have, like, Thinner and these sort of, like, direct-to-DVD kind of th- things. And then, like... You get to now, which was like, what, the Dark Tower and... Uh, Let's erase the Dark Tower completely from memory. Right. That never like, happened. That never happened. So, so this like, is essentially, it feels like It broke open what could be right. the new Kingverse. It broke we open. we had It, now Castle Rock hit. Right. Castle Rock was and a big then hit. Now and now Pet we Cemetery. have Pet Cemetery. So Pet Cemetery, the original is very kind of corny, but you know I like really love Herman Munster as Judd. Like that's one of he my. He was like, fantastic. He's, he's so a great, good. lovable old man in that movie. He's really, really good. So, 
I but I was watching Pet Cemetery in the theater and I perked up at one point. Like I'm watching the movie and I like looked forward and I looked around at everyone else in the movie theater and I was like is everyone else seeing this cuz I think this movie might suck. Like it's actually like bothering me right now that I think this movie might kind of suck. Like that bothered me more than anything was that I really wanted it cuz I had heard like uh, here's the thing is like that that makes me sad though, man. I got led down the hype train because I perked up cuz everyone saw it at South by Southwest and they were like, "Wow, what a terrifying rendition. Holy shit." And then I kind of I was watching it, and in the middle of it, I was just kind of like, I don't know if this is up to the caliber I was expecting for this kind of movie. Because the movie itself, like, it's It's no a movie happy of ending. high highs and low lows. Like, there's it's no happy ending. It. Yeah, it is a straight depression fest. Like, you if know, you are going weird, into that movie. <laughs> this is a weird thing that I keep reading online, where people are like, it's just so sad and dark. And I was like, you guys w- were aware you were seeing Pet Cemetery, right? I was like, what percentage of the audience are like, hey, are we going to get the, uh, <laughs> right? Are we going to get perhaps the Air Bud ending of this? Like, is this going to be okay? Are we going to get the Beethoven ending where it gets shockingly dark there for a minute and then we're cool? Like, we're yeah. cool at the end. We're back to Charles Grodin type hijinks. Like, I was like, who went into Pet Cemetery thinking it was going to be anything but an emotional right. fucking mushroom bruise on your forehead? <laughs> right. I think I'll, t- I'll say this, like the thing that it started off for me in a place I, I, I really hate this in movies. It's like a really popular thing to do. And sometimes it's meant to work and it's most supposed to be that I hate movies that start at the end. Like it's a huge fucking pet. Yes. Of mine. See that, that fucking bums me out, dude. I hate those kinds it, of things. It, to me, it's just, <laughs> I don't know who it's for. Yeah. Right. Like, especially I, that I hate that the counter to this argument, I always have this argument, right? Because, like, Hannibal did that in their one of their last seasons, and I'm like, oh, so I don't have to worry about Will being in danger all season. That's cool. Right, right. Because we already know that he's there for a knife fight at the end or whatever. Right. But, yeah, I'm like, who – what audience member is watching it and they're like, oh, house burning. Now I'm willing to sit through this movie. <laughs> you know what I, Like, you've already been in there. You already – this is already a highly recognizable name. Yeah. And to me, it just – it just feels cheating, right? It's like, I know there's bad things to come. Just put me in the car for the dad joke. Yeah. Start me on the dad joke. I don't need the the bloody handprints. I assume in Pet Cemetery that I'm going to see some blood later in the movie. I'm assuming in a I, movie. It's one of those tricks I just don't, I don't understand the narrative value of it and what audience member is like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to walk out after one and a half minutes. Especially if I didn't this, see human carnage. Well, especially this movie. Like again, there's so much preceding it, and we all have like we've either seen the movie, read the book, whatever. The problem and umbrage I take with starting a movie like that for this is, what do you think you're going to reveal to me that I didn't think I already knew about this movie? What about this is going to just right. surprise the hell out of me? Like it's not like we're it's not like we're doing okay. It's Pet Cemetery, but Inception. Like we're not doing a movie like that. <laughs> so what do I give a shit? I. I don't yeah, know, guys, man. this is not a Von Trier joint. We can just follow the steps. We're good. Yeah. We're with you on this. I, um, yeah. No, well, well, to me, too, it's <laughs> the other thing I don't like about it is that I feel like there's a way to do because this this is the thing. Horror movies now, the modern horror movie loves the cold open, right? Right. Where it's here is a scene of terror that will essentially lay out a small microcosm for what you're in store for. Right. right? Because we as a horror-going audience, which I'm more into than you, 
Yes. We like uh, to get our bang for the buck, right? We like to know there's going to be scares and, you know, a lot of people say anywhere from six to eight pages you need a scare. Right. Fine. I, I, I always like cold opens, right? Give me a little hit and then start. That's fine. It's a fun way to get me up before the movie starts. Right. The problem is, is that the best ones are done and where they're a scene that is somehow, if not directly helping the narrative, it's not impeding the narrative right right and it gives you a small little microcosm this movie is this cold open is not a microcosm of what's to come it definitely does not help the narrative at all and all i'm wondering is even when i left i was like why is judd's house on fire oh wait and then they like reveal it in the last scene and i'm like well that's a weird thing that this you know magical zombie family thinks they need to destroy evidence right (laughs) yeah yeah i mean what are they gonna think when the cops come over and are like well, this house is on fire, and this house is covered in blood. I guess someone just ate their body. <laughs> like the creeds were clean the whole time. So, yeah. yeah, it's just—it's a weird. Again, it, I don't. It didn't accomplish anything, and I just—I hate starting at the end. I really like. You yeah. can just start me with dad jokes. I know we're gonna lay groundwork before the blood and guts. Yeah, I. It's between that and like the other thing I don't like is. Um, there's this version of the opening, like so. After that whole, like, let me show you the end of the movie. They cut to the beginning of the movie, obviously, and it, you know, it has that shining vibe, and a lot of directors choose to do that, which is cool. You know, it's fine. Um, the thing that I absolutely hate, though, and the thing that annoys the absolute hell out of me is um, the uh, the way that it's cut together. Like, that's the thing that really bugs the shit out of me is the way that the opening is cut feels like the opening for the trailer. Like, it's this overhead. Can you explain to me what you're what you're getting at here? Yeah, like, the, the editing for this movie was really jarring for me is what I'm trying to say. Like, the beginning of this movie particularly is cut together like a trailer. Like, oh, look at this idyllic family and, like, the audio's out and all you're hearing is, like, the music to set the mood. It bothers me that they chose to edit the beginning of this movie. Like you could just like sit in the car with the you could sit in the car with the creeds to me. Like that's an easy thing to do. And instead, we're just like sitting there and uh, said we're just. <laughs> you sitting heard there. that first dad joke, and you're like, I want five more. Yeah, well, machine gun dad joke shot. <laughs> that's like to me. That's fine. Like you start with that. Like you like. There's nothing about the beginning of this movie that assigns me the emotion I'm required to like. I I think the idyllic town is just to set up. It's to lull you into a false sense of security, which, again, I guess is perhaps a a long shot at best because we all know what this movie is going to be. So, like, the idyllic town isn't accomplishing a lot, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, not Um, only that, but like maybe to set you up to let you know why they're there. It's not even that, though. It's the way it's cut together. Like, the way that everything gets cut together in this movie is, like, particularly in the very beginning, is very much like, man, we have to cover so much ground. Uh, da 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 Here's, like, um, here's, like, what it is. Like, I don't like the, I don't like the audio being dropped out. I don't need the score. Like, I need to know who these people are first and foremost. I need to know the bond the Creed shared together as a family. Because, like, then... The palpability of what happens once everything gets going is that much more mm-hmm. intense. Instead, the first time I hear them talk is when they get out of the car and they're like, 
oh yeah, we're here at the house. I'm like, no, give me a little more setup. Like I need to know a little bit more. Like we, well, obviously we have a little bit of stuff in the car, but at the same time, like right, the very beginning is just cut like a trailer, and it bothers me a little bit. Like there's just it's very it was very yeah. jarring to me, I guess. Yeah, see, I I don't know if I need it in the car. I think one of the issues I had a little bit is that this, and I like Jason Clark as an actor. He's a fine actor. I just, I feel like they have no fucking believability or chemistry as a family. (laughs) So it's kind of one of those, I was like, I was waiting for like the moment, right? Like, okay, so this guy's moving up here to be more of a family man. It's okay that he's a little more distant from his family than we feel like he should be because maybe he's not used to being a dad, right? He's got to like work at this dad role. We don't know how bad it went. Yeah. And this is actually the only area I think, because if you ask me, this movie (laughs) is about a million times better than the original. Yes. But I feel like the original actually captures the family dynamic a lot more. I think so too. Like the, (laughs) the Creed parent relationship I feel like I know a lot more. I feel like the relationship with the kids is stronger. His relationship with Judd is better. Um, I like that they had the surly in-laws there. That's a really important part of this story uh, from both the book and the original movie that kind of gets washed, right? Like he's just got resting bitch face, which could just be an old man thing, (laughs) right? So I feel like I just needed that scene of like, Oh, they are a cool family. Like, yeah. this is why I want them to be okay. Right. Because it, it really just seems like it's a bunch of people kind of being assholes to each other. And you're like, should yeah. we get that one really super adorable boy away from these sad sacks? <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, did, I wanted one moment of lovability somewhere in there, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like there's. Yeah, the, it's, to me, Jason Clark, like the, the, uh, the guy who plays. Um, Oh my god, I can't remember. Like the dad. Sorry, I'm just gonna say the dad. I apologize for all of you out there. Um, the guy who plays the father is Jason Clark, but basically they have he everyone but him seems reluctant to move here. Like, I don't like that. Like, they should be a family unit. Like the kids shouldn't also be. Well, no, I think they're not until they start feeling the power of the woods. I get, but I mean, like, even from the get go, like Amy Simons, who plays the wife, like she feels very, she's not, she's still uncomfortable. Like she likes obviously the city and so on and so forth. I think that's, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I feel like I remember the first time they do like that really bad uh, parent sex scene (laughs) where it's like, oh, you're wearing your frumpiest old uh, camper clothes. And so am I. Let's wrestle. And I was just like, oh, parent sex. Like, is that how it looks for me? Right. I was like, no, I still do the cool moves. I still got cool moves and positions. <laughs> but maybe it's not. Maybe all parents, we just are devolved to that kind of sex life. I don't know. Right. But no, in that scene, she's like, ah, oh, do you like slowing down? This is good. You needed this. <laughs> like, I feel like she was the driving force. And then every time she goes to brush her teeth, she sees Zelda. And she's like, actually, I hate this house. <laughs> can, can Bob Vila build a wall against Zelda for me? <laughs> Yeah, like, there's so much of that shit where, like, in the movie, like, they feel so, (laughs) oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's such a strange relationship they have together. Like, they particularly are such a bizarre pairing. Like, like their chemistry is so uncomfortable, it it feels like a lot of the time. I feel like every woman who I see with Jason Clark, you're just a little bit worried about her. (laughs) 
He just has that like kind of very villainous thing. Right, right. Yeah, there's something like maybe it's the John Connor of it all. Um, probably not because who the hell watched that movie? But you know, at the same time, <laughs> like. <laughs> But even then, he's a man who's definitely willing to murder humans easily. (laughs) No, I mean, ultimately, like, I just felt like there's a lot of stuff that, like, at the very beginning, like, setting up their dynamic as a family left a lot to be desired. Like, it's hard. It's hard to not love. Right. Well, this is what I told because I I was talking to some people on Twitter, right? And a lot of people were like, a C plus. I can't believe it's a C plus. And then it was like, yeah, I can't believe it's that high. I can't believe it's that low like what the fuck right and to me the way i looked at it is like this is definitely a tale of two movies right right because i felt the same as you i was like the opening i was like all right it's a little clunky there are some bad acting opportunity or moments right um i didn't feel the lovability i didn't get anything out of those scenes like i was wanting yeah i felt like i was already in the mindset of well we'll see if it gets better during the accident right i kind of already emotionally checked out but I do feel like the second half of the movie is dramatically stronger. Yes. I feel right? like so yeah. I, I, it, it's uneven for sure. But I, I really think the thing is, is you need the best horror movies. Like even if the dad's a shithole or whatever, something like, uh, what is it? Sinister. Yeah. Ethan Hawks is kind of Ethan Hawks. Dad is kind of like a me first narcissistic dad, whatever. Right. But there's still like little moments of belief like lovability and you want this family to be okay. Right. This movie feels like you're just banking on no one wants to see a kid die. Right. And that's enough. That'll just get us through. Right. And I think that's, that's the part that (laughs) bummed me out. Cause they did have some moments, right? Like the little kids in the paper mache mask doing the pet procedure, uh, procession. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool. To me, that's your cold open. Yeah. That absolutely That's your cold is open a cold moment open. is do like a an actual pet funeral yeah. with some of the ritual and the howling of the Wendigo. That's your cold open. Like that to me right? explains everything then, uh, you need to know about the movie <laughs> right off the bat. Like yeah, if you had started what, that would have been a sense. cool moment. Like if that's your cold open yeah. of a movie rather than this weird fucking hey, the ending's coming. Check that but out. That was that was a fun little ad. I liked that part. I, I thought liked that was seeing cool. the cemetery. Um, where did you come down on Lithgow's Judd in this movie? I love John Lithgow, man. Like he's it's hard for me to like He's great. It's but really He's great, but did it yeah. did it work as well for you as old Judd? No. OG Judd? No. There's something about I, I I love John Lithgow. I think he's great. But there is something about that guy. I can never remember fucking her, her, Herman Munster's name, and I feel really bad that I keep calling him Herman Munster. But there right. <laughs> is something very there's something very uh haunting about the way that that guy is like the way that i remember Fred Gwynn Fred Gwynn Gwyn. thank you god damn that was bothering me okay Fred Gwynn's performance to me uh was a little closer to what i would assume would be like that's a guy who has lived there his whole life and he's also always like been a farmer always lived on his own like or you know he's lived his whole life in one area and he has never changed john lithgow while being an excellent actor and really making me feel something for judd also seemed like he what he seemed like was a guy who didn't live there his whole life but actually moved there from boston i don't know how else to describe that yeah what i would say about lithgow's judd is i i liked the way he played it differently, but I'm not sure. 
I'm this not is the sure thing, right? Lithgow's Judd always feels untrustworthy to me. I think so too. Whereas Fred Gwynn has this very like, I'm a lovable country bumpkin neighbor. And then, right. But then he takes him to the pet cemetery, right? And it feels like, a, I just wanted to save your daughter's cat. I don't know why I did it. Lithgow, he gets darker with his because he even says it later when he's kind of trying to apologize. Yeah. But you're like, you can't apologize. You knew exactly what the fuck was going to happen. Right. I think that he already said that, right? Like once you get a taste of it, you come up with all kinds of beautiful, sweet smelling reasons to try to taste that power again. Right. Yeah. This is a man who grew up on this tiny little plot his entire life, uh, never amounting to much, always being the littlest man in this great big country, this great big world, feeling so small. Right. But he has this amazing source of godlike ability, right? This ability. Ability to control death. Right. And so imagine how intoxicating that power is to people. Beyond just the supernatural, just the, I am just the son of a poor farmer. I now live in this terrible house and drink terrible beer. My beard is nicotine stained and I sleep in lawn chairs. Right. I'm alone. Like, yeah, of course that guy is like, oh, but I can play God. Right. And I think And Lithgow's like kind of subtext of, there's something very wrong with Judd, and we actually faced this in the third act. They never resolved it, but I was like, "What did Judd do to his wife?" <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's there a is... lot of darkness with Judd, and and it it works in that part, but it doesn't work in that him and Lewis have no bond in this movie to me. No, and I think that's like something he's not the guy you'd want to missing. invite over for dinner because he's scary. Yeah, I, I don't like. There's a lot of this. Like, I think that's the main thing that I had an issue with in the movie is the emotional resonance and the like. We are supposed to believe bonding occurred after one thing. Like, Judd tells Ellie to get down. Like he can't. She shouldn't be crossing the border. So she gets down, scratches herself, and he helps her up. Like. If an old man catches a young, a little girl in the woods, I mean, like Amy Simons is like, reason, like correctly suspicious of him, right? But then, like, but then that's like supposed to just bond them, like, oh, he fixed a scratch for so we're friends <laughs> yeah, forever. And then she comes up, she's like, uh, I actually broke into the old man neighbor's house, and there's just like guns about. <laughs> and a lot of empty beer right? and he's never dusted once like i think we should feed him and they're like oh daughter i love the way your head works yeah it's like all right stranger <laughs> next come thing on you over. know lithgow's just doing a comb over and having dinner yeah I, I there's a lot of this like unearned emotional resonance that they try to like play up a lot of the time in the movie like one thing happens well, and we're just we're in it i think too it's 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 an effect of the timeline is very sped up right very it's so a, you can it's see a, like it's a, a spring summer and then we jump to halloween like you know that so movie's i feel an, like they're condensing like a lot of time really that movie's fast. an hour and 40 minutes long this is the one time i will say like this is a movie where i'm like i feel like i needed actually a little bit more like <laughs> I, no they had the time they just needed to work on uh, yeah i think emoting. they just need to use it a little differently it's, can, it, well, it's like can any cast member emote that's not uh simmering murder <laughs> Like wow. every cast member looks like they might just erupt into a murderous rage. I'm like, that I know an, Lithgow can do it. That is an yeah, I know, right? That is an excellent. I'm way like, to put hey, that, Lithgow, though. I needed a little more Henderson's. <laughs> you know what I mean? And a lot less uh, Blake from Ricochet. <laughs> <laughs> can you do a little more Third Rock from the Sun? All shucks thing, and <laughs> then we can get this really started. I, yeah, 
I uh, there's just so much of that movie that is so it's bizarre to me. Like I, I, I'm not, I wasn't sold on the pacing in the beginning, but once the movie, like once we get to like, cause we all know what's going to happen. And that's another thing that bothers me again. We all know what's going to happen. So it's like they were waiting and biding their time until what happens happens, which is uh, the kid getting run over by the truck, which they change from the book, which I asked, our friend, my friends that I went to see it with, uh, we walked out of the theater and I was like, did the change? Because basically in the movie, this version, Ellie's the one who gets run over rather than Gage. And I asked, like, does it change the movie for you at all? Like, does it change the story? And they both said it makes it less creepy because it's supposed to be a little baby. Like, it'll be like a two-year-old. I'm like, yeah, I've heard people say that. I think that's total bullshit. I kind of do, too. <laughs> like, I mean, first off, there's no two year old in the world who's able to be erudite enough to deliver some of that lo- the dialogue. But OK, now I'll, I'll get to the dialogue because that's a criticism I think you could levy. Here's what to me, the emotional impact isn't lessened at all. Right. Like, no. what is that? It's the a child of this. The point of this scene is the loss of a child. Right. Yeah. And whether it's a 10 year old girl. Because that's what everyone said. It's like, well, he's so in it. I'm like, the 10-year-old girl is innocent. She's yeah. like a very nice, sweet kid, right? Right. Everything we read from a her is, oh, what house. a nice little girl, right? Right. And and then someone's like, well, she's an older kid. And I'm like, well, okay, so is it sadder that they lost a kid that they actually kind of see the person they're becoming or the loss of a baby? Because then you're always pondering what they could have been. Right. But I'm like, that that doesn't matter. You lost a child right a child right? is enough where i'm like that's that's Any child trauma. is enough to set off the emotional fucking tactical missile yeah at the dark hearts of all of these characters that set us on the way of the story so right. to me having the girl die instead of the baby doesn't hurt the film at all that now the effect they use it to is because the girl becomes death obsessed right right and she's having these both of her parents are just so bad at parenting conversations. So yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah. It happens early enough on in the movie where they're talking about like what death is, like essentially. And the like apparently they didn't have the conversation ever beforehand. They're like, How are we gonna talk to our kids about death? Well, we should do it like maybe what do you think? Well, here's what I think. No. Why don't we go in and just like bicker? Yeah, why don't we go in and bitch? Why don't we go in and bitch at each other in front of our kids so that she's totally confused? Because they start off by talking about like, oh, no, they're like, if we bicker enough, she'll just wish for death. Yeah, problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this scene is so uncomfortable. I'm like, this is some of the worst. Like, I'm not a parent yet, but I can tell you right now. You know what I, I love though that, was the hey, let's go fucking raz our daughter about her death beliefs and then try to fuck. <laughs> I mean, no finer aphrodisiac, am I right? <laughs> then, yeah. then, man, can, I really like seeing a, a little bit of that sparkle die on our daughter's eyes. <laughs> I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed squirming together in front of our kid about like how to talk to our child about oh, a major no, wait, life. Was event. that when Church drops the cat, the pigeon on their bed? Oh no, that's when they. Yeah, oh, that is when Church drops the pigeon. Very, on their bed. it's it's hard. It's hard to have sex with your parents, but that's fine. No, what what I would say, right, is. I have no problem with them changing it to the daughter. No, not at all. <laughs> but the thing that the effect that they're trying to employ, right, is that because she's older and she's been pondering death, now she can unload these lengthy little villain monologues, right? 
about, oh, I'll see you in hell. You don't know. Danny was wrong. There's something after, but it's not heaven. It's hell. Ah. Right. And to me, this got a little into that. Can you just show me her yeah. doing bad stuff? Do I? Because that, that was one of the things, like, I was like, I don't know that I need her just monologuing. I don't know that that's creepier. Yeah. Right? Like, what I do know is a, a, a two-year-old, you know, actor. I guess you can call them actors at that age. I'll tell you what I don't need. A Running around with the scalpel is not great. No. Right? So, the 10-year-old girl makes more sense from that regard. But yeah. I was like, there's a way to do Tony Collette after the snap and hereditary version of that 10-year-old girl. That is, oh, you still see the total loss of innocence. Well, what I do don't need her because this is the thing, right? The parents should struggle with the fact of this is our sweet, innocent girl's body. Right. But there's something evil housing this meat husk, right? Yeah. It's not her soul. There's something evil within. But the way that Ellie's acting after this, you're like, oh, man, she's being a real bitch. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. Maybe I should hit her with the shovel again. Yeah, I I don't understand why we're spending so much time on Ellie. Uh, like it's just a really preachy eight year old. Like I would just, well, I, I just thing. like shut she's up. Not supposed to me. I always read it as she's not really herself. This is kind of a demon or darkness. The maybe even the Wendigo coming back and mocking the life. Right, mocking the humans for trying to further this life. Right. So then right. this abomination insult version of your loved one comes back um and i, I don't know the the dial the constant dialoguing i was like all right it was fucking rad when she morphed from judd's wife face right <laughs> back into her face i, I like, love that that was cool that was a fucking cool scene but yeah um, judd's death was actually a really great scene of, of the movie. oh god what do you think judd did to his wife because amy was like oh yeah he must have brought his wife back Okay, that's so I what like, I. Wait, thought? You're telling me Judd brought his wife back and then re-killed her? That I thought, like, th- this is the thing that I was trying to figure out too, because like it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me for Judd's wife to, or for Judd to bring his wife back, knowing given that he did that with, um, <sighs> giving that he did that with the the dog. Like he tells that he tells the story of doing the dog. I'm like, so you know what happens, and you did it anyways. But he said the dog was always had a mean streak. Right, so he tries Maybe to. Maybe that was it. He tra- right, so I guess she might be right. Where, like, but uh, but so do people. Human nature. But why evil. would he tell the dog story if he's like, oh, and also I brought back my wife. Well, maybe he's trying. And it was to- great. We just had like tantric sex for another twenty years. Uh, she was still really into baking and watching the Sunday shows. We went to church three times a month. Like she was the exact same Norma. Whatever women named Norma did back then, right? Like that's that's a big detail if he pet cemeteried her. That's what I told Amy. I was like, that's the that's the bio that's the experience line right there, not Biffer. Biffer the sniffer. I mean, maybe I was under the impression that he wouldn't tell uh Jason Clark because he didn't want Jason Clark to think to bury the kid up there. Which he would have done anyways. But well, I was like, is it do you think it's just not enough that he was maybe just like an abusive alcoholic husband? Like something like that? Does it have to be Well <laughs> that he fucking pet cemeteried her? <laughs> but I mean, you know, the other thing that I was thinking though is they should have they should have addressed what the pet cemetery actually is. Like that is actually something that they, they kinda really- did. Barely. Like, I think that's a big but, problem to well, no, not address I, that. I, 
I, I don't agree with that because I think Judd addresses it in a way, right? When he tells me, he's like, there are parts of this world that are older than both of us and we'll never understand. Right. And I think that's the whole point, right? Is that a Lewis, Lewis's brain style explanation wouldn't satiate us, the audience anyways. Right. Because it's, it's dark magic. Well, I think it's actually creepier that we don't know. Is this a gateway to hell? Is this the Wendigo? Is this um, I, some kind of ancient, dark, ritualistic magic? Like, what is it? I mean, I guess. Like, I think yeah, the is reason... it a way? Do, does the Karam actually act as a tether, and it fucking sucks the soul back from hell and puts it right back in this like haunted body? Like, I mean, what what would they have said that would have made it better for you? I would have at least done. I mean, what I would have done is at least reference like the Micmacs and talked about what the actual like what it is. Like, you can't just say Indian. Like, you can say Indian burial ground. But well, I they think, said no. They they believed in the Wendigo and that the Native Americans left because the land was sour. Right. But I right. also think that there, right. So the like, there's more explanation there that can lead to better questions once things start happening. Like once Church comes back, then like first off, Church comes back and literally no one says anything. Like I was like, great, the cat's <laughs> That's okay. That's what Amy said. She's like, I feel like they should be more concerned. Like the about church, the cat, <laughs> the, the cat. Yeah, no, I agree with him. Well, I was like, I'm not a cat person. I don't like cats. And I, I don't was either. Like, don't I all one. cats behave a little bit like zombie church? Like, aren't they all a little bit assholes waiting to scratch us? I think cats are assholes regardless. I speak as an owner. Um, Sorry, like, cat people. Don't hate us. Don't yeah. hate us, cat people. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, they can hate me. That's fine. I'm the one with the cat. You're a cat person, so you have some I'm not a cat I'm person. just a dog person. Let's be insults. very clear. I am not a cat person. I just happen to have a wife who owns a cat. So, oh, no. You're a cat person then. No, I'm not. Um, but You've been domesticated cat person. To me, cats are... Like the particular like cats are dicks no matter what. Like there's nothing about a kitty cat that makes me feel safe. So that's me. So I walk into that movie and I walk in there with the perception like cats are not right anyways. But what cats are like cats are also like they talk like dogs are a lot more dogs are friendly. Dogs want their owners to be happy. Cats don't give a shit about anybody. So I think that's like <laughs> Okay, but here's this. I think this can get why, us back to our point, though, right? I think that's, Church comes back, and he feels like he is pointed and on a mission. Right. He's not cat-like no. when he comes back. So, to me, I think what I would say is that you can garner a lot of little background evidence, and then just have fun with yourself, right? Well, I debating guess, what kind of magic it is necessarily. Well, I guess the issue is to me. When they go like so, Church comes back and he goes over and talks to Judd, and Judd literally is like, "Nope, just get it's fine, just let it go, it's fine, it's good." The cat's get, the cat's back. Never fucking saying like, there's a big problem I have with someone who does that kind of thing, and I know that's part of the story, but like, <laughs> you, you you need to explain that, like you need well, to say what it is. This movie focuses in on a lot more on Judd is not a good person in this movie. No, he's not. But then also by that time too, because I I think Judd, this is his chance, right? He lives in that empty house. He doesn't have a wife. He has nothing going on. Um, I think he enjoys this in a way, right? Like him watching that cat. He was so excited to go back up, right? He heard the call of the woods, right? And he was excited to go back out there. Well, and that's another thing too that I thought was, and I I did not know this because I haven't read the book, but um, that is something that 
apparently like later on after Ellie after uh, Ellie's killed and like they're sitting outside uh around the fire and they're talking Judd uh or um Jason Clark doses Judd's drink Lewis thank you Lewis I can't why do I keep forgetting that name Lewis doses Judd's drink and I asked uh, my friend who had read the book, I'm like, does that happen in the book? And he goes, well, in the book, it's more of this spiritual thing where actually like the woods itself does it. Like the pet cemetery calls and actually puts Judd to sleep instead rather than like, and again, like Jason Clark has that really good, like, I'm going to do whatever I want determination. Fuck you face the whole scene. So I'm like, when he walks up to that campfire, like he's going to murder Judd. Right. And I, but like, that was sort of my thing. The second like, glass is a murder weapon, not a peace offer. Right. But like, that's the thing I was like, I was focused on him in the scene and I'm like, is this going to turn in? Like, is Judd poisoned now by that place? Or is, uh, is Lewis poisoned by the, this place in general? Like I was curious, sort of like, is his intention to make sure that he's just not stopped? Because like, yes, John, yeah, that's but, the entire point. Yeah, but John Lithgow is an old man. Like, it's easy to stop an old man. Sorry, like my grand, like. Well, that's another thing they talk but, about in the book is like how lithe and insanely athletic he is in his pursuit. Uh, right for an old man is because he is somewhat being drug upon a string by this magical force right and i just think lewis is like well why fuck around with it why why worry about it right the old man's already like giving him fucking eyeballs at the funeral and stuff like why not just put him to sleep and then go do your business he's the only impeding barrier why risk it all right i'll give you that why risk a call to the cops or whatever just like just take him out. Well, I would have. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I would have called the cops immediately, anyways. I'm like, hey, that guy's going to do some fucked <laughs> well, up no, shit. Th- this this was the thing to me is like, I I think this that the one of the weirder things in the movie to me was like the three simultaneous ghost stories happening at once, and none of them feel like they're kind of working in concert. <laughs> so yeah, because the Pascal story, me and Amy were talking, and I was like, I think Pascal intentionally is leading Lewis to the pet cemetery. Yeah, I think so too. Right? Cause it was a thing in, is the, in the original story, it was, uh, Lewis is this small town, like university doctor, but because of his past, he's very proficient and good. And he shows such insane skill. Right. And, uh, sharpness in this moment of trying to save the kid and ease his pain. Right. That that's why the spirit feels like he owes him. But in this, I'm like, he gets rolled in and Jason Clark yells at two nurses and does like three chest pumps. Yeah. I I was like, that's not a lot. Like there are no, no, like, you know, Pulp Fiction adrenaline to the heart. <laughs> There's no electrocution paddles. Sorry. I don't know any actual medical lingo. I'm Def- sure those are terrible ideas for bleeding out people. Defibrillator. Maybe every compression. It would have been awesome if like a little squirt of blood came out of his head. Ugh. That would have been hilarious. But anyways, it, it felt like in this movie that Pascal's like, Oh, you tried to save me. Now let me help you. Yeah. Just kidding. You fucking killed me. Right. But I think right? that that's, but that's a much why, better. Beat. Here's the question. Why does Pascal just say, dude, pet cemetery. Don't bury stuff there. Right. What's all this barrier talk? Why do ghosts always have to talk in a Sphinx like riddles and puzzles? I think that's a stylistic choice for the ghosts. Of course. Well, I know it would make a far less good movie if Lewis woke up and he's like, that fine young man is right. That would be a terrible decision. <laughs> but no, I think I like to think now that Pascal is actually trying to seek his own revenge. 
I actually think Pat. I mean, also because he's haunting the little boy. Yeah, I think Pascal actually is. I I agree. And that can also feel like a, oh, he's trying to help by communicating with the baby, but it's like, why wouldn't you go talk to his wife who no, understands I, English words? I agree with you. I think Pascal and the wife's thing with her sister and all that stuff. I truly believe that that is. I agree that I think that's the. I think that's the spirit of the wood for sure. Like that's. It's it's calling right. to them. Well, I mean, she's having the ghost of Zelda. Yeah. Which and Zelda's the sh- the scene from the original that and the Cabbage Patch doll getting run over. Yeah. Those are the scenes from the original. Zelda terrified people back then. Zelda and terrifies is, me now. It's gross. It's a horrifying part, but in this one, it's weird because her Zelda trauma starts rearing its head before. Yeah, like the daughter dies and. And after it, it feels like just an additional, like, Zelda was really good in the last movie. So instead of just doing the one Zelda scene, uh, let's just make her like a recurring ghost figure, right? Like a Japanese curse uh, ghost figure. Right, right. It was fine. I, I didn't think any of the Zelda scenes in this one were exceptionally good. Like, none of them are as impactful to me as the one from the original movie. No, I mean, I think the ones from this one were just uh, creepy. Like, there was a good creep yeah. factor. I mean, just seeing like a broken body like that and a little girl trying to deal with that. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Um, And yeah, but it just it felt like. There's a part of me that's like, is this just a movie about how everyone carries the emotional trauma? This and that. Like, is that what I'm taking from it? Like, Judd sees Norma and but then Judd seeing Norma through perhaps the Wendigo demon and Ellie. Right. But the wife is just seeing it on her own and the doctor seeing it because he couldn't save a patient. Like it just felt a little muddled. Well, I mean, it not like it, it didn't hurt the story. And I think the more ghost you add, that's only good for the story. Right. Especially in that ending, especially towards the end. Like there's nothing about it. Like to me, it's funny. Cause like we watched the Babadook and I, and I saw this movie. I'm like, this feels like the same movie done worse. Like it's, like, well, the Babadook, just on a, a visual craft level, I mean, this one obviously has higher production value. It looks very slick, right? It got sure. it got the it treatment where yeah. visually this movie is strong. Right. But the visual mechanics are so much less than the Babadook. Right. But I mean, I'm talking more as like theme, like, because I agree with you. Like, that's what it is to me is like all these guys, like per- everybody's characters, personal trauma is like what it's about and like what it's going through and what everyone's going through. And so to me, I was just sort of taken aback by the fact that I'm like, I think this is sort of the Babadook in a way by way of Stephen King. Like we're doing the same thing, which is like, oh, you know, Lewis is dealing with this. Uh, Lewis is dealing with his, you know, inability to, I don't know, inability to, to save, inability once he's in a setting where he should be able to have complete control can't. Like, I think that's probably because he comes home later that night and he's like, oh, it's like I was back in Boston, like that whole deal. Like, I feel like that's why Pascal carries around with him. And then, you know, obviously Amy Simetz, her whole thing with her sister, with Zelda's very 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 relevant to her entire life and again i don't know if i feel i don't know if that works for me that it starts before then 
Like, because obviously that's, that's what I mean. No it it feels like perhaps they should have made first contact with the house before we do the Zelda stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, she's she's the first time she's triggered by a picture when she's unpacking. And that's logical. Sure. To me. it Yeah. It feels like I just wanted some kind of. I mean, if that's the theme we're going for, right, is that the pet cemetery is where we go to bury our our regret and sadness. Right. Right. And it comes back as a grotesque version. Like, I feel like there is a stronger way to do all that. Right. But I mean, that's I mean, this is the thing is it feels like it's all the stuff that we loved about both or other versions of Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Done in a dramatically better way for the most part. But I think the weird thing with this movie is it just it does have these little hiccups. Yeah. Right, like I like Lithgow's changes to Judd. I think it makes him a more interesting and believable character. Right, the good guy Santa Claus neighbor of uh, you know Fred's original Judd would not ever take him up to Pet Cemetery. No, in this one they clear that up and justify it. Right, the the power is too much; it's alluring. That makes sense to me. Right, right. I don't mind that it's the daughter instead of the son. Um, you know. That was like, like, here's a weird choice they made that I didn't understand the way the car accident happened. Like, oh. why did the semi front go and then the tanker? Because this is something I said. <laughs> when that tanker started to slide, I'm like, that's such a weird extra. Yeah. Right? They're adding an extra now. And I said, if they graphically show that little girl being rolled underneath that metal, which is zero inches off the ground, and we just have to watch and see her get crunched. Like Human Centipede 2 style. Right, right. I was like, I'm leaving this fucking theater 100%. right now. Yeah, I said the so same. I was like, that's just too much. Like, I can watch random people die in yeah. movies, but like this one, the death of the 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 young Creed in a Pet Cemetery story is so much more impactful than most movies. And at, that's actually the scene I wept in the theater. Like, actually, like, hard cried. Um, When he comes around and his wife falls and you just know. Yeah. And we already knew, but that moment, that's a beautiful way to show it. Yeah. And he runs and sees his daughter uh, in the grass, and he hugs the little body, and her little lifeless arm sticks out oh, under his dude, armpit. Yeah. And it's just, like, dangling as he cries. I I actually fucking hard cried in the theater. I'm like, what? It's just, and that's the thing. This movie just has one of the great inciting horror movie moments because right. – it's just a universal tear and yeah. fear, not only of death period, but the unfair nature of parents having to bury their kids. And when they cut to that tiny casket, even you're it's just all so wrong and yeah. all so vile. Well, and that's um, in a way that's impossible for any human to not feel right. I mean, that's the only thing that I think connects emotionally to like that beginning where they fight over like how to explain death to the to Ellie, which is like. Oh well, you know, church's metabolism's faster than humans and blah blah blah. Like doing that whole thing, it's like this is about time, like the amount of time you have with your kid. And then like when she comes back, like when um when his wife comes back into the house and there's Ellie and he's like, Hug your daughter, and he's like, I wasn't ready, I needed more time. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. That or I Or even when she they finish their argument, right? And she just goes and he's like, I'll just tell her church ran away. Yeah. And she says anything but dead. Right. Right. Like it, it is something that is very resonant. But what I like about the moment of the child's death in this version is it makes both parents wrong. Right. Both parents implicitly don't understand the, the nature of death, which right. is 
Lewis is like, it's a metabolism. It's time. We'll all be here for a long time. And she's like, no, it's there's a heaven and it's nice and it's a pretty thing, right? It's a Mufasa in the sky and we'll <laughs> run around the wheat field. Right. Um, and it's neither. It's it's absurd and it's cruel and it's not fair. Yeah. And it can come whenever, right? On a 10-year-old's birthday party for no reason other than she's lured out there by that devil cat. Yeah. Which another Dude, the new church is rock solid in this movie. Yeah. Very good use of devil Great cat. Great use of devil Except cat. Except I will say the scene when they open up the cabinet and the the church puppet is in there. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like a Jumanji line? <laughs> Me and Amy were getting a good chuckle out of that. It was like not the strongest creature work I've ever seen. Um yeah, I mean like yeah, I think that the yeah the church cat's great, but I I yeah I agree. I like the fallibility of both the parents in this. Like I do think that that's a very believable, and also very important to how the story proceeds forward, especially once things start happening. Like everyone is making their decisions that everyone's making decisions that are not necessarily fear based, but are making decisions based on their own personal. Not just de- not just uh, fears, but just personal demons. Like Lewis's person, like Lewis's problem is that Lewis is Lewis feels infallible. Like that's always the thing I think, and that was what I took away from Jason Clark's portrayal of Lewis is that Lewis feels that he cannot do wrong, and if there is wrong in the world, he should right it. That's it's a doctor saying it's in the Hippocratic oath. Like that's all part of it. You should be the you should be the solution, not the problem. So he do no found harm, a, right. Yeah. So he found a solution. He 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 did no. He thinks he did no harm. He, if anything, did the right thing and like brought his daughter back and brought like brought his daughter back, brought his family back together. He's trying to do the right thing by his family. I think the humility, the lack of humility in the face of other the otherness, is what is so fascinating about Jason Clark's portrayal. And that's I that's what I think will take you through the end of the movie. Because I think, again, like we were talking about, it is a tale of two movies, but that other movie is really good and really compelling in a lot of parts. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the best thing about Stephen King in general, but this story specifically is just the watching humans, right? Just like all of us, just are infallible, small-minded, we're closed, like, I mean, we see it now more than ever in our divided-ass world, right? Everyone is so very certain that they know so much. Right. And most of us know jack shit. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I'm really into the blood sport of politic, right? I like the debates and all the bickering and whatever. Right. Everyone who bitches about that, they don't know anything about politics. <laughs> right. They think they do because they listen to someone who reinforces their pre-existing biases and tells them that they're right, right and gives them a sound clip to go throw at someone else at the next softball game. Right. But, like, have they ever read the bill? Have you ever read the reports? Do you know, like, you know, could you name 83 senators? like, Or not senators, congressmen, I guess. Right. No one knows anything. That's the thing. And I spend a lot of time looking into politics, too, and I don't know anything, right? Right. But we're all cer- we're all sure that we know. We all know, like, what someone should do in a special election in Wisconsin on a Tuesday. Right. But none of us know anything. No. Right? We're just, we know, we know. I think that, um, yeah. And I think that, that part of Lewis, right, and in the face of this giant mystery, this this greater mystery that none of us will ever be able to answer, which is, why the fuck are we here? What is the point of this? Right. Um, 
hoping that there's a point, right? That's why we create religions. Yeah. Is so that the the great masses can calm their mouths and say, ah, it's all right. It's too scary to just ponder, right? Right. Like, what's that great quote? Whether there is God or isn't, both are the scariest answers. Absolutely. Uh, that's a butchering of the quote. But, but you know, this but book it's the does truth. that in such a fucking massively powerful way with the uh, this destruction of innocence and yeah. just watching people grapple with, what the fuck? Like, this is wrong and we can fix it. But can we? Like, are we enough to fix it? Are we going to do a bad job right. like we no, did in this movie? But that's like... It's interesting because you bring this, you say that, and I thought the same thing leaving the theater and like driving home. And because I was thinking mainly, like, how do I relate? Like, what am I relating from this about parenting? And that's, I think, the lesson that hits the nail on the head. Like, it's the fear of uncertainty. It's the fear of uncertainty of not knowing and then the fear of being wrong. Like, that I think is probably the most terrifying thing of all in regards to parenting so far. What I've. Like, because I can tell you, like, I'm not a parent yet, but my fear of fucking up already is, like, <laughs> strong. And I know, yeah. and that's, like, that's just, that's what it is. Nothing caps encaptures parenting to me more than Jason Clark's scene when he finally gets his daughter home. And she's like, will you lay with me, daddy? And he crawls in bed, and he's just, like, staring at the ceiling. Oh, I fucking laughed in the theater. <laughs> and, it was uh, so awkward. And he kind of touches him, and he's just like, I fucked up. I yeah. fucked up. This is a really <laughs> bad decision. I fucked up. I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> yeah. right. He's trying to, like, talk himself into, like, it's cool, it's cool. But in his head, you can hear the, you fucked up. Yeah. You fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's now you have fucked up. Yeah. And I was, that, that scene, I was like, that is perfection. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That is maybe the best example of parent. Because in a way, you're like, yeah, maybe he did do the best thing, right? Like, she's back. She's got something right. But it's like, that's what it is. You're always doing something and hoping you're not laying in bed going, well, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I watched it and I was like, um, it's dramatically more terrifying than the first one at times. Visually, it is infinitely better. Yeah. I think a lot of the performances are really uneven highs and lows. But and this is what I like, right? Like I was, we were like, we didn't love the wife very much in this movie i didn't think the performance was good right but when it needed to be good it was great yeah like when she confronts ellie again that's great acting oh yeah no you know what i mean like her and jason clark never figure it out yeah well she seemingly is just kind of off the whole movie yeah but like when she needs to be great like the three or four scenes you need her to be great she's really great yeah um jason clark once he's the broken digging up his child dad that's his wheelhouse. He's yeah. great in those moments. He was excellent. Lithgow gives a very interesting performance. Um, Church is fantastic. Ellie is very fucking frightening. Yep. Um, the only thing I thought about Ellie is once she took a, on the Norma face. Yeah. I thought when she confronted her parents, we were going to see a little more interesting, haunting kind of thing. Right. And it somewhat turns into like. God, I just want to stab these motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's not interested. Like, I, uh, yeah, she's not interested in, like, fucking with them. She's just like, I want to kill these guys. But then. Right. Oh, I forgot. This has dope trope alert. Uh, kids drawing dead bodies <laughs> in crayon. <laughs> dope trope. No, uh, let me ask you this. What do you, what did you think of the new ending? Uh, you know, I mean. Seems actually a little less creepy, I guess. I, 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 
Yeah, I'd say that's how I describe it. Like, I didn't think I thought the ending was. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a big fan, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know what? I kind of liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of because this is one of those. Say it. It reminded me of Broadchurch, right? When they talked about that, and she's like, you know, most parents who lose a kid don't survive that. Right. Divorces, suicides, and this and that. And I kind of like because that's the thing. The moment I guess you're waiting for is for him to lop her head off with the shovel. Right. And face the consequence of what he did. Right. Well, that's what but I in was a way expecting. that the movie does. It accomplishes a very similar effect, but in kind of just a more fun way. Right. Which is not a word you would say very often in this movie. Fun. No, not at all. But um, the fact that she takes the mom. Kills her. And then the mom comes back. They get the dad. It is this. There was no way for them back after this. Right. Right. That this the death of their daughter and the the misery and the uh, the trauma of that was going to end this family no matter what. Right. So I think it's just a little extra fun. Right. Again, I do worry about the burning the evidence. What's their plan? Are they going on the lamb? Yeah. Um, you know, you know if they're going to be some bachelor party that's going to have a deliverance style encounter with them. I don't you know what? I'll and imagine. also when they came for Gage, I was like, don't you fucking show me anything. Yeah. Don't you kill. That is one of the cutest kids I've seen in a movie in ages. I'll, I'll actually Just the angelic voice. Beautiful kid. I'm like, don't do anything gross to him, please. I'll actually amend mine a little bit and say I would have liked the ending more if they had not shown it to me at the very beginning of the movie. That's like my main caveat is like, <laughs> there's nothing about that ending. Like that would be so much more interesting and more surprising if I hadn't already known that's where it was going to end. Like, I feel like it wasn't surprising. Cause by the time that we got to the pet cemetery, she's like, you're too late, daddy. Right. I kind of already knew it was coming, but it was still fun, man. I just, I enjoyed the way that rolled out. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that Lewis doesn't get off for his transgression. Okay. And you don't I don't blame him in any way as a dad for what happened, although you're like, it is parenting one oh one that if you live on the murder road, you get a fence. Yeah. <laughs> you buy a fence. Buy a fence, right? get a lock, anything. Like you just, but just let other it than that, I don't blame him for what happened, but the digging her up and all that is like that's when he goes, he loses his mind. Yeah. I mean And he already is smart enough to know that church is fucked up. So it's wrong, and and I like seeing him uh, have to face that same fate, man. Again, we don't know what's happening in this. Are these the same souls, the Wendigo, de demons, whatever? I like seeing him eaten alive by his sin. Yeah, I mean, that rash by that rationale, I can get on board with it. I think from a storytelling standpoint, it's less impactful because I saw the ending. But yes, I, I like that Lewis does not essentially get away with it. Like it, it is. It's like your alternative is he cuts her head off with that shovel. Right. And then he just cries and we fade to black. Right. right. Or him driving away with his son. And you're like, oh, that guy's going to go get therapy. Yeah. He's going to meet some like Hooters waitress and restart. <laughs> That's not cool. No. You know what I mean? He'll be living in like a, one of those beachside towns in Florida. He'll be really enjoying his life in Boca Raton or uh, Florida yeah. City. That's not how I want that to end. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. I I did like I liked that aspect of it. I think the actual ending ending itself did not interest me, but I did like that he was penalized for what he had done. So okay, 
that sneaky Pascal too. I can't get over how I feel like Pascal's leading them to death to oh, take his. Oh, revenge. it's the Wendigo for sure. Do you? Uh, what's your final thoughts on this, man? If you had to give it like a whatever out of five, what'd you take away? I'd give it a three out of five. Like, yeah, the ending. Okay. The ending, I think, saves a lot of the movie because I do think the beginning is not very good. Uh, yeah, but. Yeah, ultimately, I think it's hurt by a very it's it's hurt by a very um, what I would call rushed with the wrong material beginning. Um, like we're focusing on the wrong things in the very beginning of this movie, and I'm like, I don't think I need to know any of this to get any further down the line. And then I get to the I get down the line, and I get towards the end. I'm like, I didn't need any of whatever happened in the beginning of this movie. Yeah, I but. But the, well, it, it is one of those too. Like being a parent, you're like, I have emotionally troubling days. Yeah, but you still put on that good, pretty face for the kid and try. Yeah, that's it. Like a moment I wanted. And as a parent, I know that as a parent, I will hopefully the the lesson I would glean from this movie is uh, be honest with your children. I guess. But not your unmagical meat waiting to be buried. Honest. Yeah. Don't do that. Be as honest as be as honest as you want with your children, but don't be a dick about it. Yeah. Some things you can just not talk to them about. Just be like you're young. Yeah. Shut up. Don't worry about it. You're <laughs> fine. Go play. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I would do a three out of five. Yeah. I'm a pretty stringent grader though, so I don't. That's a good score for me for most movies. Um, that means it was a movie that I enjoyed. I didn't all the way love it. I, I, it, and to me, it's not about changes or anything like that. Right. I think this is a vast improvement over the original movie. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. there are moments that are really, this is the thing I thought is I was like, it's, it's an imperfect movie and I'm with you. The first act is very clunky, but it delivers the big emotional and, uh, kind of ethical debates that the premise, uh, is most known for. Right. It delivers on the the best parts of what Pet Cemetery is at the core of the story. Yes, and yeah, I mean it's just visually better. Um, it's just cleaner. It's a little scarier. So yeah, it's it's just a little bit better in most areas. But yeah, I feel like there is an emotional core, which is strange for Pet Cemetery because after the crash, it's just such fucking big emotions, and the actors feel like they're more at home playing those moments. Then playing the, oh, let's get frisky in our 40s. Yes, yes. I think and once, that, that's the part that I, I, if they had had both of those parts, I think this is like a smashing success. Yeah, I think. Um, but as yeah. it is, it's like it's just a better version of a story I like. And I, I enjoyed it. This is something I said. Though, I was like, this is not the kind of horror movie I'll be like, oh, I want to watch this and show it to my friends. Like, I don't know that I'll ever watch this movie again. No, I don't think I will. It's a lot. And having kids, I was like, man, maybe I've aged out of being okay watching Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I'd say Pet Cemetery, the original one, I'm like, that's a movie that could be remade. Like, we talk about movies on, sometimes we talk about movies on here that like don't need to be remade. And this is one of those movies where you'd watch be like, that that can be remade and no one's going to like. Oh, for sure. Like, there's no sacred countess to it at all. So, well, what did, okay, as a, as an actual remake. Do you think they accomplished the goal of a remake? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the improvements they made to the story and to the storytelling techniques. Yes, I don't think it's necessarily as good as the book, but I think it's 
Definitely. Nothing will ever be as good as a Stephen King book exactly. because he always is going to be like 600 plus pages. Right. There's not. A l- and this is one of his shorter books, too, if I'm not mistaken. It is. And I think that that's. I think it's like a, a 400 and right. I th- Yeah, I think that it's a fine. It's a fine remake. It, it works. It works to remake the movie itself. Absolutely. Right. You know what I noticed? I was like, it, I think it's getting graded harder, too, because. In this era, we're end of the this new golden age explosion of awesome horror movies. Yeah, they just have such style and depth in how they are presenting the material now. Right. I hate the phrase "fucking elevated horror" because I think there are a lot of horror movies that, to me, are elevated just because they're great that people don't look at. Right. You know, as good enough worthy movies. Right. I feel like this one just feels a little basic a lot. Yeah, I w- man, that is a great way to put that. Yes. I felt like there was a lot of this that was sort of paint by numbers. And yes. Yeah, I think. Like, even the scare scenes and this and that, it all feels yeah, very I think they choreographed traded, to a dance we've done a lot. I think they traded a lot of what I would consider better creepy moments for jump scares. And I hate that. Like, that was the thing that I probably pulled away from the most is I'm like, I don't like this jump scare shit. Like, that's the kind of thing that I can also see from a mile away. Like,. When she opens the cabinet in the when she opens the cabinet in the bathroom, I know what's about to happen. Like there's nothing about that that I'm like not shocked by. When she, yeah, when, and like I'm fine with the inevitability of being rehaunted by trauma, but yeah, you know, I feel like there's better ways to play it out. Well, yeah, I mean, like to use our comparison, like I would compare like what I saw, like when you see Tony Collette crawl across the wall. In Hereditary, when Nat Wolf's walking through, <laughs> that is some creepy, scary ass shit. Well, I was like, "What about a new age crab walk from The Exorcist, like Zelda slithering along the floor? Right. Like, give me something. Give me something like that. Like that's creepy as shit. That's a haunting image that lasts. This all felt. Oh, I'm so scared of Zelda. She got defeated by gravity. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh boy, you're gonna get Windigood for sure. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. No, I'd be the guy. They'd have to dig a really big hole to put my fat body in. <laughs> and then the Wendigo ground would just go, Patoo! not him. Well, that's what we <laughs> that's what we get for being chunky boys. Ha! Troll. All right. Uh, yeah, I think it was a little bit paint by numbers, but ultimately definitely improves on the original. Yeah, I, I don't think just in it. I think it's a vast improvement on the original. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a very worthy Pet cemetery adaptation uh overall i dug it man i wouldn't say as a fun experience at the movies because no it just hits really close to home in the darkest of places so. <laughs> but uh yes. yeah man that's what this story is like we all should have known that going in i don't want to hear the marvel comics movies versus dc movies like why can't batman be funny that does not apply to a movie called pet cemetery you should know it's gonna fuck you up yeah right so don't be surprised it wasn't fun enough criticism i've read on twitter miss me with that see that's that nostalgia talking people watch that people don't watch the original pet cemetery for like the fear of it or the fun of watching a horror movie they watch it because it's like oh look how like shitty the effects were back then like that's what it's watched for i think that's teenager talk right like oh it wasn't scary enough at the end yeah that's exactly what it is. this is is not that kind of movie i i don't think it should take shots for that no guys i hope you enjoyed your trip to pet cemetery we did i know we we levied some criticisms but i really did enjoy my anytime i get to see a well-made horror movie in a theater that is a fucking win for me 
Um, if you saw it with a group of friends, man, share the pod with them and uh, let them join this conversation with us. That's our favorite way to spread the show, right? Uh, we want to be like the lowest level Joe Bobs for you guys, man. Just watching movies together and talking Lord, about please. them. When we do the last drive-in on Friday, that to me is as fun as movie going gets, right? The theater experience is somewhat crumbling these days, but there is an undeniable magic in communal viewings. Yes. Right? And that's what we want this show to become a little bit of, guys. So share it with your friends. If you see us posting on socials, especially when new episodes drop, if you can give us a share or retweet, that helps us out enormously. If you find the podcast on a directory that allows you to leave a rating and review, especially iTunes, please take a second and do that for us, guys. It does help drive us to new audiences, uh, which is the ultimate goal of this show. Also, if you like talking movies with us, we're going to have a lot of story breakdowns for Game of Thrones and other comic book movies this month and the rest of the summer, man. This is blockbuster season. Over at our other podcast, The Long Box Sessions, hosted by Alex over there. That's right. Um, so also follow the socials there. Share, rate, and review, guys. And as always, thanks for watching movies with us, man. We appreciate it, and we fucking love doing it. Guys, it's a lot of fun to do this show, and it's a lot more fun when you guys participate. So thank you very much for always participating. We've got a lot of people on board with us during the last last drive-in, so I was really excited about that. It's fun to be able to see you guys interact with us. I really like that stuff. Always do. Yeah, it, ma it makes this so much more fun to do on our end, yeah. guys. It really does. Um, also, you can follow the show on the Letterboxd app. Uh, we do have a film alchemist podcast list where we're posting all the movies that we have covered past. If you want to see what we got that you might like and movies coming up so you can get a ahead of the curve on what we're going to be watching. Um, I think that's it, man. I, a lot of good stuff coming up next week. We're getting real creepy dad with Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> the true Mrs. Doubtfire. Maybe the darkest parenting story of the three. I'm just going to throw that. <laughs> I think you're right. It's pretty dark, but uh, you'll have to wait till next week to hear us talk about it because it's fucked up. That's right, guys. Uh, as always, thanks again from the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Get a fence! <laughs>